Greetings. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, so, uh, man, I had three things I wanted to talk about first before I started, but Pastor Justin and everybody literally hit on all of that. So I will do a shameless plug for my life group. My wife and I are uh, doing a life group uh, again, and we're excited because we took the summer off. But uh, we're starting a life group, uh, Total Money Makeover. And so uh, we would invite you guys to come out of your comfort zone and get involved in any life group, really. Uh, I just want to let you know that there's so many different uh, avenues and ways that you can get plugged in. And you might be uh, a little uncomfortable stepping into community, uh, stepping into situations like talking about finances or talking about marriages or talking talking about whatever it may be through the scriptures, but uh, sometimes God calls us out of our um, comfort and grows us through that. So uh, I would encourage you guys to uh, find a life group that fits you. Uh, If it's our group, great. We'll fit as many people as we can fit in our house, but there are so many groups. uh, You just need to find one, and you need to choose that, and you need to circle those dates on your calendar because God's going to really grow you in this season. So Find a life group, please. And if it's ours, that'd be great. Monday nights, we're going to talk about finances. And we have not arrived yet, so we're on that journey. And so come along with us if, if you will. So, um, And then lastly is men's retreats coming up, too. So uh, I know that uh, sometimes men need to be encouraged to go. So uh, women, give them a little nudge. And uh, men, please don't forget to register and come. It's going to be a great time. So um, There you go. There's my spiel. Now I'm going to get into my sermon. So I'm excited to preach tonight. Uh, It's been a while. I think this is the first time I've preached this year. So uh, I'm thrilled Pastor Justin and his wife just celebrated nine years of marriage. And so uh, he's taking the weekend off to just sit and to um, really just sit under God's word. So it's really cool uh, because he does so much. So I'm just thrilled that you get to just kind of just chill. And thank you for the opportunity to preach God's word. So anytime that um, I'm given the opportunity to preach, it's vital that I preach about something Something that's very important to me. Now, all of the scripture is very important to me, but um, I think we all have scriptures that have spoke to us at some point in time that we would say, if we had like a box of favorite scriptures, like these are ours, right? And so uh, the book of Galatians is a book that has always ministered to me, as I would say most of the epistles. Um, and so Galatians 6 is what I'm going to talk about tonight, verses 1 through 5, and the idea of carrying burdens. And what does that look like. So uh, Galatians 6 is an amazing book. I would encourage you to read it if you never have. Uh, Galatians 5 at the end of it is just one of my favorite scriptures as well. But it's um, something that I feel like God's going to speak to you through tonight. And so um, anytime the word of God is preached, whether there's 440 or 400 people, the Holy Spirit is going to take that word and it's going to imprint it onto our hearts. And the cool thing about God is he's intricately involved into each of our lives in a different way. So he knows my life, he knows Amanda's life, he knows your life, and he knows what you need to hear tonight. And so I trust that the scriptures are going to be speaking to you tonight, and that would be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So um, we're going to open up the scriptures, and we're going to talk about carrying burdens. So um, it's really important that we see carrying burdens as a form of service and an act of service. And we serve a God who came to serve us, and so it's naturally, it's natural that we would be a serving people, right? And so as Christians, our life should be marked by service. So no matter what your denominational background might be, your political party affiliation, no matter what your Enneagram score is, Christians should be marked by service. I knew Hannah would laugh at that one. 
uh, but Christians should be marked by service. And so we should be focusing on others. And so like Pastor Justin just said is when your faith is solely inward focused, your faith is out of focus. And if you've been here for any period of time, you've heard him say that over and over again. That's because Christians should be servants. And so the scripture in Philippians 2 chapter 3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. So tonight we're going to try to shift the focus off of ourselves and shift the focus onto God's word to see what he has to say to us. And um, another quote that Justin says over and over again that I think is very important to kind of just be echoed, and I think that it's woven into the DNA of our church is that you look most like Jesus whenever you're serving. And so a good way for us to focus on others is to carry burdens. (laughs) There you go. I don't know what that was, but... Good to go. Uh, this is very important, church, that you see this as a way that we manifest our love to each other, is that we carry burdens. Um, Jesus says in John that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the, the proof to the world that you guys love Jesus is wrapped up in how you love each other. Yes, we're supposed to love everybody, but the proof to the world that you belong to Christ is wrapped up in how you love your brothers and sisters The proof to the world that you're Christians is not in your church attendance. It's not in the amount of life groups that you host, that you have attended in the past. It's not in anything else. It's not in the amount of Christian t-shirts that you may have. Not in in your social media posts. And look, I love Christian t-shirts and I love to post about Jesus. But that's not what proves to the world that I love Christ. The proof to the world that you love Christ is wrapped up in how you love each other. And a world needs to see that. There's this world that is in dire need of hope, grace, love, mercy, forgiveness. And the only way that they're going to see that is from the people that that belongs to. And that belongs to us because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And so an understanding of what God has done for us should be manifested in the love that we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're going to bust open the scriptures tonight. Grab your Bible, your Bible app, whatever you read a Bible on nowadays, your iPod. But uh, know this, anytime you hear God's word preached, please uh, write the scripture down. Make sure that it's coming from the scripture. Anytime Justin preaches or I preach, go to the scriptures and trust that this is right here from the scriptures. But if you have it, go to it. And we're going to read this, then we're just going to digest and dissect it And we're going to get into it. So Galatians 6 verses 1 through 5 says this. I can't see up there because it's really small. Uh, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Let me say that part again. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father God, thank you for your love for us. Uh, Thank you for the kindness that you display to us and the compassion that you have for us and the patience that you have for us, Lord. And I just pray that as we um, talk about how we love each other, let us all be reminded in how you love us. Because if the gospel is not at the center of our love, then our love is off, Lord. So I pray that we would love people how we've been loved by you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
So in the scripture, we see Paul talking to us clearly about carrying burdens in regards to dealing with sin. Now, there's many different ways that we're called to love each other. If you read the scriptures, you can see all throughout the New Testament, we're called to love our brothers and sisters in Christ in so many ways. But Paul specifically here is talking about helping people who are wrestling with sin. He's not talking about helping someone who had a baby with a Tuesday night meal train. That's fine, and we should do that. We should help brothers and sisters when we see that they need a light bill paid or something along those lines. If we have the, the means to meet a need, we should meet that need. But Paul is talking about how do we help people who are overcome with sin. So when someone's overcome with sin, he's essentially alluding to it's our job to help them overcome that sin. So have you ever run into that, somebody in your life that's overcome with a sin? Am I the only one? Have you ever been that person? You've been that person. I know I've been that person, and I've, I've ran into that. So Paul's instructing us here how to do this, how to help someone who's overcome from sin. And then he gives us clear-cut action steps on what this should look like. What he's not encouraging us to do is to judge. He's not encouraging us to be shameful, but he's encouraging us to observe the sin, like there's sin present here, and how do we help? And he's saying, hey, be quick to help. He says, you who are godly. He doesn't say, ah, if you think you got He says, look, you who are godly, let's help. So I'm going to break this text down into three parts tonight. That's how we're going to dissect it. And my first point is just simply this. Paul's telling us, look, be helpful. This is our first clear-cut action step when we talk about carrying burdens with somebody else. And I think the first four words of this really set the tone for this entire scripture. It says, dear brothers and sisters. That's family talk right there. And it's essential that we all understand that we are a family here, City Life Church, brother and sister in Christ. Even if this is not your church, we are a family. And this family is greater than your biological family. Absolutely 100% greater than your biological family is God's family. And one of the scriptures that has been so, again, my like favorite scripture, like box. I feel like I say that about so many scriptures. This is my favorite. But uh, is uh, Psalm 68.6 says, God places the lonely in families. And I can, um, there's certain scriptures that I can kind of almost go back to like the point when I read that and how it hit me. And that was like a blanket to my soul when I realized that um, the experiences that I've had with my biological family um, don't carry over into this family. Now, there are some things that I need to wrestle out and work with, but there's a family that's willing to accept me based on what Christ has done for me, and God has seats at this table, and everyone's invited. So I don't know what your family experience is like. Now, mine wasn't the best, but hey, I'm still here, right? So it was obviously, um, you know, my mom provided for me, and she did the best that she could, but I didn't have the best family experience, but I, I didn't have the worst family experience. And I know that some of you guys in here could probably relate to that, whether or not you have an awesome family or whether or not you have never had a biological mother or father that you can point to. We all have had some sort of family experiences that we carry with us. But one thing that I know is that good families sometimes have hard times. Amen? And bad families still sometimes have good times. Um, and so uh, 
but, but for those of you that may be saying, yeah, but you know what, I don't really have a family experience, I want to remind you what that scripture says is that God places the lonely in families and that what you can't get from your biological family, some of that love and acceptance is, is here for you in God's family. And God's calling you to be a part of a local church family. So brother and sister in Christ, wherever you are, know this, that God is calling you to get plugged into some church family. And we would hope that it's here. We want it to be here. We want to do life with you. We want to call you brother and sister in Christ, but wherever you're at, just know that you're in a family, and your family is greater than your biological family. Now, one thing that I know about families from being involved in a family, and I have a large extended family, so I don't have any siblings, but I have four kids, so I have a large family unit. Now, myself, I also have um, family experience from nieces and nephews, is that families stick together. Families love each other. And simply put, a mark of a good family is being helpful. And it doesn't take long to observe a brother and sister or maybe your niece or nephew or people that have been in a family unit and shared the same proximity for some sort of time to see the love that's expressed and manifested within a local family unit. So when Paul says, dear brothers and sisters here, this is a tone that should be woven into the fabric of this entire text is that we need to think of each other, not as just somebody in a pew next to you who may be wrestling with something, but like your brother and your sister. So that same family love that you may have felt from a biological family should be the same type of feeling that we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So um, know that when we're talking about helping someone now, it's talking about helping someone who's in your family. And helping, loving, and serving is what Christians should do best. But help. Okay, so he says we should help. But, but help. How do we help people? This is an interesting topic to talk about. So I, I talked about the practical needing of meads. And if you scan the scriptures, you can see in James chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 3, there's an exhortation to help people practically but Paul here is specifically talking about helping people who may have gotten themselves in a mess that now they need some help getting out of. This type of help is going to cause us to have to roll up our sleeves and get a little dirty. This type of help requires gentleness and humility, as the scripture says. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person onto the right path. See, we need the Holy Spirit of God to empower our actions and our love. And the power of the Holy Spirit is always inside gentleness and humility. It just always is. But it can still get kind of frustrating trying to help people out, right? You ever try to help someone who's stuck in a mess that they've caused themselves? If you're anything like me, maybe, maybe this has happened to you before. So I'm going to go into my actor mode. So, okay, maybe you're like scrolling through your... Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and you, you see, oh, man, look at this knucklehead. The bar again? Oh, it's a Christian, man. I know he, I know I, I've been in church with, what, who's, girls half naked behind him? Every night he's posting pictures at the bar, drinking, getting drunk. Oh, I, 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 would, I would never act like that. Uh, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind the next time I see him. So, all right, I'm going to come out of my actor mode. <laughs> um, look, we might not say that, but sometimes we might. But sometimes we feel that way, I think. I think sometimes deep down inside, um, 
we feel that way. And sometimes it bubbles up and we may say something and then we may apologize to whoever was around and heard us say that. And uh, Andy Stanley actually talks about this in the book Enemies of the Heart. He says sometimes we apologize for things that bubble up out of our heart when really we are not apologizing for the fact that how we felt. We're just apologizing that now somebody heard what came up out of our heart. And he talks about that typically happens at home when our heart's off of safety. And that's why often we, we hurt the people that are closest to us, unfortunately, because um, we had our heart on safety the whole day. And then we come home, we click it off safety, and some things bubble up. And yet we, we apologize for things, but do we really mean that? And so, um, you know, the scripture's clear out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So these type of thoughts and feelings just need to be laid down. Now, let me be clear now, because we're talking about something that's indeed a sin. So drunkenness is a, is a sin. Getting drunk is a sin. That's an absolute sin. There's not a problem in calling sin what it is. Sin is sin. But to shame and condemn somebody for something is pretty self-righteous and proud, and that's also a sin. So now your, your uh, anger has now caused you to sin. Um. Our holier-than-thou-ness can easily cause us to sin. I think it was Pastor David in Newport News that said, hey, look, being holier-than-thou is not a fruit of the Spirit. So we must avoid pride that might bubble up. We must avoid that. And you know what? We're sinful, man. We're going to wrestle with stuff. So don't feel like you have to be perfect. But when things like that rise up, lay it down. God, forgive me. Lord Jesus, help me to not view another brother or sister like that. Lord, help me. Lay it down and pursue gentleness and humility. In that situation. Because God wants to use you and me as instruments to love people. He wants to use us to love people. And so he's, he's not going to use us when we're harsh and proud. He's just not. So let's just avoid that and be the absolute opposite of being harsh and proud, which is being gentle and humble. And the scripture tells us to put on Christ and to be like Christ. And how much more so are we being like Christ when we're being gentle and humble? Because Jesus is the best picture of gentleness and humility that we could see. And the power of God is always found in gentleness and humility. So you want to know how you can be of help with people to your family is just be helpful. Be available. And don't bring pride to the table. The scripture calls us to help people back onto the right path. It doesn't call us to point out all of their sins along the way. So the next part is this. Be careful. Scripture says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. It's interesting because this scripture is talking about helping someone who's overcome with sin. But most of this scripture is not talking about the person that's in the sin. It's talking about the person who's going to help them overcome. And the scripture's like that. It's, it's um, self-reflective. Like God wants us to look into the scripture and see how we can be better to love people. He wants us to be encouraged to love. And so he's showing us here that what do we need to do to check our heart? And Paul is telling us to be careful not to fall into the same temptation. He's essentially kind of echoing what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 5, when Jesus says, hypocrite, get rid of the log out of your eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. It's critical for us to take a step back. So, so okay, we'll go back to this scenario where I was acting here. Okay, lay down that pride, lay down that, lay down that rush to judging the person and not the sin, 
And now let's check ourselves to ensure that we can be of help. So has anyone here ever tried to help someone and found themselves in the same ditch looking up for more help? Like, yo, I mean, anybody up there? Has anybody ever done that? I, I know I sure have where I've stepped in to try to help someone and I've overstepped my boundaries or fallen into the same exact sin that I was trying to help somebody get out of. It, it would be like me seeing that Instagram story or Facebook or whatever it is, observing someone's behavior and now going to the bar and sitting down next to them, putting my arm around them, ordering four shots of vodka and a Long Island iced tea and then pow, 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 knocking them all back, sipping on my Long Island iced tea and be like, yo, bro, what you doing is wrong. Now I got a log all up in my eye trying to get a speck out of somebody else's eye and I'm doing the same exact thing that, that they're doing. You can't be of help for somebody when you're caught in the same sin that they're caught in. So Paul's just telling us, look, just be careful. Just be careful. Have any of you ever found yourself in a situation similar to that? But the whole idea of going to someone who's in a mess, I mean, I don't know if you, if you hear me, me saying, hey, somebody's in a bar. I mean, who's going to go into a bar? Christian going to go into the bar? Uh, you know, who's going to go sit down next to someone who's getting drunk? You know, God may actually call you out of your comfort to bring comfort to somebody else. He, he's just not going to call you to do it, what I'm telling you. I just, well, wouldn't have done, but you know what I mean. Um, he's just telling you, don't sit there and get drunk with them, but just sit there and listen. Like God may call you out of your comfort to bring comfort to somebody else. And so uh, what does that look like in your life? Just be available and talk with them. I think sometimes people are looking for the church to step out of the church building and actually be the church body. You're not going to see many people coming in here getting drunk. It's just not happening in here. It's happening out there, though. And, and it may be some of your brothers and sisters to your left or to your right of you that are doing some of these things that need people to show them the love that Christ once showed you when you were caught in your sin. That's what obeying the law of Christ looks like, sharing each other's burdens. Pastor Fred has been talking about something with our uh, leadership team in Suffolk, and it's, he's just talking about being mindful when you enter into situations with people. And he was talking about how can I, when I'm talking to somebody, whether they're caught in sin or not, but how do I speak truth to them? Like, what do you want me to say to this person, God? Do you want me to speak truth? Let me step back. Because it's actually okay to call out somebody's sin. That's, that's not a bad thing. There's a difference between shaming and judging someone, and there's another difference between pointing out right from wrong. And if you don't believe me, have a couple kids and come holler at me like in a couple years. We're actually called to, you know, hold people to the same standard that we're held to. Just remember, you're not the standard. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the standard that we all should be measured to, not ourselves. And so, so, so should I speak truth to that person? He also says, hey, should I um, minister healing to this person? Like, am I just supposed to create some space for this person to just like be super real? Or am, am I to inspire calling and to just encourage them in this moment? Like, what does it look like? And so be careful you don't fall into the sin that the person's entrapped in, but also be careful with the words that you speak. Because you might not fall into the same exact temptation that they're wrestling with, but you might fall into sin. And now your mind's all off and you just can't be of a whole lot of help. And so just be careful and be mindful. And remember that Jesus was kind to you as well. Let's go to the last point. Be fair. 
Scripture says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. So you're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. I love how Paul says here in this scripture that we shouldn't think of ourselves too highly. And he just gets straight to the point. He's like, look, you're only fooling yourself if you think you're too good to help somebody. I also think, I meant to touch on this earlier, but this is an opportune time to bring it up. Sometimes I think that happens, and then we deal with that proud judgment, and then maybe we don't step in and help them. But I also think sometimes we have a feeling of inadequacy, which prevents us from stepping in and helping someone out. We think, oh, well, who am I? Because, you know, I I wrestle with sin, and, and, you know, I'm still dealing with stuff. and, and, And then you just talk yourself out of helping someone. When really someone is helping, it'd be like someone falls here and their legs bust, and you're like, I just don't know if I'm strong enough to pick that person up right now. I just, yeah, but, I mean, it's people are hurting. And so you don't need to be perfect to point someone to the one who is perfect. Know that. As you're called to just help people off the right path, point them to Jesus, the same Savior that you're clinging to. But don't allow feelings of inadequacy or feelings of self-righteousness to keep you from help, helping someone. So the first, this last point in be fair, it's just be fair to the situation. Understand first and foremost, look, you're a sinner in need of grace the same exact way that this other person is. Now, your sin may not be as public like a scarlet letter on your chest, but trust me, your sin is just as repulsive to a holy God who should put you in hell for your sins for the rest of your life. But praise God, he did not, and he sent Christ Jesus to die for you. Now go help that person and extend that same love to them. You, you, you could not commit like any of these, I don't know if it was Justin or somebody before, it was like these big nasty sins that we kind of like, we kind of have this list of things like, oh, cheating on your wife, doing this, doing that, killing someone, all these big crazy sins. And then we try to think like selfishness and pride are like over here or like, you know, all of that. You know, these are little sins, you know. No, sin is sin. So be fair and don't think you're too important or think you're too inadequate to help um, and in, the, and in the second point, when I say be fair, is just be fair to yourself. Because the scripture here says we're each responsible for our own conduct. So be fair to yourself. Share the burden with your brother and sister in Christ. Get into the mess of what's going on with them. Be careful and wise and make sure that you're choosing the right words to speak. Or actually sometimes just shutting up and not saying anything and being present with them. Um, I think it was my wife and I, were t- my wife was telling me she was reading through Job and just how the, his friends just at the beginning just kind of just sat with him. It was just present. I think sometimes we just need people to just sit there and be present. And uh, after we talked about that a couple weeks ago, um, we kind of practiced that ourselves. Just sitting there, listening to each other. Not a whole lot of advice going back and forth. Just, you know, being a safe environment. Neither one of us were wrestled with sin at that moment, but... People just need you to be present. There's a ministry of presence that needs to happen. But know this, the people won't always change when they're caught in sin just because you obey the law of Christ and you're loving them the way that you desire to. And that's where we're challenged because what's the motivation behind our love now? Is it that they would change? I mean, we want that, right? We want to see people changed. But what happens when they don't change? Does our love for them stop? I I don't see Jesus' love for us stopping. This isn't to say that there aren't some toxic situations that you may need to step back on and make some wise decisions so that you don't 
hurt yourself even more, right? There are definitely times where you do need to step back. But I think there are some times where we act like situations are like super toxic when they're not. We just don't want to deal with it anymore because this person ain't changing. And we're hurt. And I think we're hurt rightfully so because we love these people. Like there are brothers and sisters in Christ. We see them hurting and it's frustrating. We see them hurting themselves. We see them hurting people around them. And we see that they're not living the abundant life that Christ Jesus has for them. And it hurts. It hurts us. But let me release you from some pressure right now. It's not your job to change anybody. Like this scripture isn't like this is how you change somebody. This scripture is like, hey, this is how you help somebody. This is, this is how you take them through the wilderness to point them to the right path. But like people have feet and they have to follow you to the right path. I don't know if any of you here have ever struggled with a really, really bad addiction to anything, like things that have patterns and patterns of slavery and bondage in somebody's life where you're enslaved to some sort of sin that you've been dealing with something over and over and over again. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to change that person. Like we're talking about some real deal darkness to light stuff, and that type of stuff doesn't always happen like that. If, if that were the case, a lot of us wouldn't have been saved at like, I was saved at 29. I wasn't saved at like 2. I did a lot of sin up until I was 29. I did a lot of damage in this life. God is patient with us. You need to be a vessel for that patience to flow through to that person. And if you're not available to be that vessel of patience and love and kindness to somebody, then God's not going to be able to extend that love to that person through you. So in these moments when you're frustrated with that person, remember what Paul says at the beginning of this. They're your brothers and sisters. They're not just some people. That you see on Saturday night, here and there maybe. These are your brothers and sisters. Would you give up on your brother and sister? You're like blood brother and sister when they make mistakes? No. Because family finds a way and family is helpful. But don't allow the outcome of a situation to determine the input that you place into it. You are responsible for your own conduct, and that person's responsible for their conduct. To repent of sin and to turn back to Christ and to get onto the right path. And we just need to trust the sovereignty of God in that situation. That, yo, look, God, I know that you know exactly what's going on in their life. Lord, please use me. Call me out of my comfort to bring comfort to them. Help me to lay down my proud judgment because it's going to rise up at times. Lord, help me be gentle and humble like Christ. But you know what? You'll never be of help if your eyes aren't focused on the Savior because that's where your energy comes from, and that's Christ Jesus. And so what does that look like in your life? I don't know what what that looks like in your life. Are you feeding your relationship with God? Are you walking in fellowship with the Lord Jesus? Are Are you practicing some of the spiritual disciplines like, look, spending time in your words, spending time in community, praising God, not just on a Saturday night, like seeing your life as worship. Are you... Walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we can, we can be doing all of that and all of this still be challenging and hard. And that sucks. And I'm sorry if you're thinking of the people that maybe you're carrying burdens with that are still wrestling. And you've been in the same situation over and over again with, with these people. And, and you're hurt for them and, and they're not changing. Just know this. Don't allow... God's kindness to stop working through you because you remove yourself from a situation that God wants you to be in because you're uncomfortable. Nothing good comes from comfort zones. I'm going to call the uh, worship team back up.
So we have to see that Jesus did all of this for us. He was gentle. He stepped off his throne. He stuck on flesh. He came down to get us. He pulled up the proverbial bar stool to your life to talk to you about the things that you need to talk about. Like I was just talking, I think earlier this week, my wife and I were talking to someone, and we were talking about like be 100% real with God because he knows it in your head. Just say it. Like this is horrible. This is whatever. Like be real. You don't have to come up with these churchy prayers. Like those things don't really like impress God. You can't impress God with your language. Just speak realness, be honest with him, and, like, he knows it's on your heart. So see that Jesus did the same for us. So you, you may be sitting here thinking, okay, so this is how I help people, but I'm not the one that needs to go help someone. Like, I'm the one that needs help. There's probably some of you in here that, like, you're the person that needs help overcoming the sin, and you might be able to point to some situations that um, people haven't done a good job at this. And for that, I, I, I apologize on behalf of whoever that may be. I know that apology might not mean much because I might not know your situation, but I know what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul's talking about love, and he essentially says, look, I'm bankrupt without love. If you had some bankrupt people try to love you and do a whole bunch of things with the wrong motives and you got hurt in the process, I'm sorry. And maybe you're, you're still wrestling with whatever it is. And you're waiting for someone to step out of this church building and be the church body to you. I would say there's a whole bunch of people in here that have now learned ways that maybe that they can help you. And my prayer would be tonight that as we go into worship, you may respond to whoever the Lord put on your heart. And you think about it. And you do the first thing that we need to do in the process of carrying burdens with people. And that's praying for them. Pray for them. Pray for wisdom to go after them. And then go after them. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have been a Christian for like 13 years. You don't have to have read the Bible the entire way through right now. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. So as we go into worship, the leaves are going to be over here. I know that they would love to pray with you for whoever is on your heart. My wife and I would love to pray with you. Pastor Justin would. I know there's many other people in here that you may know and love. Go to them. Ask them for prayer. But let's pray for whoever that may be in your heart. And um, talk to the Lord about it as we go into worship. And I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine heart. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. i 